You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of 2014's film, Edge of Tomorrow. What I am about to tell you sounds crazy, but you have to listen to me. Your very lives depend on it. This is not the end. You see, this isn't the first time. Now, we've had this conversation. What day is it? Judgment Day. You just came in with the fresh recruits. This is not the The invasion will fail, along with every soldier you are sending. We lose everything. Come find me when you wake up. You do know what's happening to me. What happened to you happened to me. You hijacked that power. I need your help. With what exactly? Winning the war. We can do this. Just come here every day and I'll train you. No matter what I do, this is as far as you go. Why does it matter what happens to me? soldier of course you're not you're a weapon all right everyone you were just listening to the trailer for 2014's film edge of tomorrow and the story is as follows when earth falls under attack from invincible aliens no military unit in the world is able to beat them major william cage an officer who has never seen combat is assigned to a suicide mission killed within moments Cage finds himself thrown into a time loop in which he relives the same brutal fight and his death over and over again. However, Cage's fighting skills improve with each encore, bringing him and a comrade ever closer to defeating the aliens. The film is starring Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Bill Paxton, and Brendan Gleeson. It is directed by Doug Lyman, and it is written by Christopher McQuarrie, Jez Butterworth, and John Henry Butterworth. Joining me for this review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And also joining me for this review, we have a Patreon supporter. This is a Patreon throwback review for our fans out there. Thank you very much, and we'd like to include them on the show. And Trent Ostrom was the one who answered the call, so Trent, welcome on the show. Hello, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad to talk about this film, actually, because I remember when this movie came out, in 2014 and I definitely remember being excited for it but I remember nobody else was excited for it it seemed like nobody was talking about this movie and sure enough it got great reviews I was really really excited to see it I walked out of it liked it and nothing 
it just kind of faded away. But four years since its release, it seems like people are finally starting to rediscover it. With Mission Impossible Fallout opening next weekend, we wanted to take a look back at at least one Tom Cruise action film. So I put a poll up. Everybody voted. Edge of Tomorrow won that poll. So here we are. Let's talk about Edge of Tomorrow. Josh, what did you think of it? Well, I absolutely love this movie. I think that it is one of Tom Cruise's best action films. I think it is smart. It is funny. Um, the structure is really interesting, and the characters are great. It's so so well written, and just as an action movie, it has enough to indulge on that aspect. But it's also got this very uh, intelligent way that it's put together too, that really keeps you invested in the story and. I just, from top to bottom, think that this is absolutely a great movie. I think it's one of the best movies of 2014 and should be seen. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see uh, Edge of Tomorrow because I think it is just altogether a fantastic, great movie. What about you, Trent? What was your initial reaction to it? I absolutely loved it as well. One of the things I wasn't expecting is that I'm not always the biggest fan of sci-fi films, but I thought this film did a very good job of balancing being an action film and a sci-fi film. Uh, as mentioned, I think Tom Cruise is amazing in this. I think Emily Blunt is amazing. And though it has such a simple plot of, as they marketed, live, die, repeat, I just love all the nuances in the story. Yeah, so let's talk about that. You know, because what's most interesting to me about the story of Edge of Tomorrow, or later retitled Live, Die, and Repeat, is that it borrows elements from other movies, puts them all together to create something that actually feels fresh and unique when it really didn't reinvent the wheel and come up with, in my opinion, a concept that was wholly original. It just borrowed different elements. You know, you have the attack beach sequence on <laughs> the beaches of Normandy, nonetheless, which is clearly borrowing from Saving Private Ryan, uh, both visually from a chaotic standpoint what Doug Lyman does with capturing the action and camera I, I don't think the audio can hold a candle to what Saving Private Ryan did but it's still very good nonetheless and then you have the Groundhog Day premise with the story and it, it just like kind of just comes together to create something that when you're watching it at first your initial reaction is like wow that was very entertaining and it worked and it actually felt fresh, but it's funny that it's it's not in a way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It certainly has a lot of elements that you've seen in other movies before. But like all the greatest movies out there, the key is the execution. And right. And this movie really does a great job of executing all those elements in a way that does seem very fresh and innovative. And especially for an action movie, which is a genre that. We really don't see too much innovation in. It's all the more refreshing to get that and all the more exciting when you're watching it, too. I'd agree. I know. I remember when I was seeing the trailers initially, I was one of the people that wasn't so excited because I thought to myself, oh, yeah, he, you know, he lived, dies and repeats. What's so fun about that? We've seen <laughs> that before. But it ended up being an absolutely great movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, and a lot of that is due to, I think, the casting in this film. You have Tom Cruise playing against type, and this is like one of the things I actually want to talk about in great detail, is the character of Major William Cage is one who undergoes a very fascinating character arc, and it's one also that is not your typical Tom Cruise role. 
You know, he's not the capable warrior at the beginning of this film, you know, acting like a badass. That that belongs to Emily Blunt. Instead, Tom Cruise is playing a liar. He's playing a coward. And he's playing someone that would rather put hundreds of thousands of lives on the front lines and he puts his life above theirs by being this PR guy who's recruiting all these people into the army to fight. But when he gets told he needs to fight, he's all like, oh, no, not me. You know, I've never done any kind of combat training. Like, that's not for me. And I do find it very, very fascinating that, like, for the first couple of uh, minutes of this movie, he's, he's, he's a despicable character. Yeah, I mean, he's willing to blackmail, you know, um, his superiors in order to get out of the situation. And you're right. It, it is really playing against type of what Tom Cruise usually does. And I think that that is very much intentional. One of the things about Tom Cruise that uh, I find a little annoying sometimes is that kind of trademark smile laugh that he does. And, you know, it, it feels, <laughs> it feels very artificial whenever he does it. And I think the movie knows that And there's moments in the very beginning of the film where he's like joking about something and that smile flashes and, it feels fake, but I think the movie understands that that goes into what that character is supposed to be. So it's very smart to play to Cruz's strengths and his weaknesses at the same time, which is a great role for him overall. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I think it's such an interesting perspective to see Tom Cruise as someone who comes into the mission with very little knowledge of even how to to operate his weapons. He doesn't know how to turn his safety off. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very interesting how we we actually, it, I, I like this kind of forced perspective that Doug Lyman does, where he kind of just thrusts the character into the action. He's scared, he's confused, he doesn't even know how to turn off the safety, turn on the safe, turn off the safety on his weapon. And we as an audience are just as shocked as he is when they land on the beach, they think they're going to win. And all of a sudden, it's not um, a surprise attack. The enemy is waiting for them, and it's a massacre. And we're seeing all this chaos. And I got to say, for a PG-13 film, they do a really good job of showing um, the, the, the humans getting completely brutalized by this alien race. And so I, I thought, like, the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, was just so exciting and thrilling to watch because of how we're experiencing for the first time. And then you would think that, you know, because of the repeated premise of him then waking up and having to relive the same moments of the day over and over, I think the big fear that you as a uh, filmmaker run into of something like that is how do you present the same sequence of events and make them different so that you don't bore your audience? Yeah, I mean, honestly... Really finding those creative and unique ways to return to the same day over and over again is something really challenging. And I'll be honest, something I didn't think Doug Lyman as a filmmaker would be able to do. But every time you go back, you kind of are invested more and more and you're interested in the kind of creative ways that they get back to that same point and reshape events that you saw before, sometimes in very big ways, sometimes in very subtle ways. And it's that constant discovery that the movie's giving you that really keeps you invested in a way that is very surprising. Yeah, because the first time, like I said, he goes through everything and it's chaotic, it's crazy. The second time around, 
he goes through everything. He's confused, but not from a sense of fear, just more from a place of bewilderment and going through shock. Like, how is this happening? How am I reliving the same moments again? Didn't I just die a little while ago? Am I in a dream? Like, what is happening? Dies again. Then around the third time, that's when he tries to, like, do the whole, let me explain to you what's happening. And he tries to, like, reason with um, uh, the, oh, man, who's... Bill Paxton in this movie plays uh, the officer to J-Squad. I can't remember his name in the movie. Does anyone remember his name? Oh, man. Was it – it wasn't Farrell, was it? I think it was, actually. Yeah, I think I, it was, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. He's great in the movie. Oh, I love Bill Paxton so much. I was going to say, Bill Paxton is phenomenal in this with that southern charm that's, like, kind of goofy but also, like, kind of has, like, this – Not. it's not even, like, a tough exterior. It's more just, like, a proud – American, you know, you're going to go to the front lines. You're going to die for glory. <laughs> oh, he, is, he is so good in this movie. I, I love him. Every time he is on screen, I just light up so much. He probably gives my favorite performance in the film, to be honest. Oh, he's just so, so good. I, I would have to echo that. I mean, Cruz is effortless in this role and he does his normal Tom Cruise shtick, which works for this. But I think Bill Paxton is like the one unique element in this movie that, yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it necessarily, like in detail, what makes him so great. But you're right. Every time he appears on screen, you can't help but just smile. I love the part where Tom Cruise asks him, aren't you an American? And he goes, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know, so he's, he's trying to reason with J-Squad and, of course, they – you know, they label him as a deserter. He's no longer a major. He's seen as like this, um, not a rookie. What's the, what's like the title uh, of like the lowest rank? Private. Private. Yeah. Pri- Private William Cage is a deserter. <laughs> and so they, you know, he goes through it a third time. And then after the third time, that's when the loop starts to get um, cut down a bit. At that point, you know, it's like training montages and, different sequences of editing and and the storyline kind of takes us on new journeys and what I always found very fascinating was I actually kind of wanted to start counting for myself how many times uh they show the day because the way it seems is and, and the way Tom Cruise like explains it he's probably relived this day I would venture to say hundreds of times like maybe not a thousand, but hundreds is uh, is what I would venture to say. Because when he, you know, when he gets as far, you got to think from the time he wakes up to the time he has to get away from uh, the J Squad group, travel gets to like Brendan Gleeson or gets out to the house and they get to the helicopter and all this stuff, and he has to do all this without dying each time. You start to think to yourself, like, man, this has got to be like hundreds of times that this guy must have done this, you know, to just memorize every single logistical opportunity that presents itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Well, the thing about that is I wouldn't even put it past it that it's been in the thousands of times that he's lived because there's parts of the movie where you'll actually see him go through stuff. And then you find out later that there have been other times they've been through it that you just didn't see, which is a great, which is a great thing about the movie's editing too. And the way that it's put together is that it really is able to give you this foundation of 
how the movie's put together, this going, you know, resetting the day over and over again. And then it gets more kind of experimental with that. And it allows the audience to pick up on the rules and then adjust their kind of sights accordingly as the movie keeps going. And to me, that's a really interesting way to go about it, to not have to explain every single time we reset, like what we're doing now, just keep going forward. And and because of the rules that the movie has established, you already get it. Imagine how mentally exhausting it must be. Oh, man. And that's the thing. At at a certain point, the totality kind of hits you about, like, every time he resets, he goes back to the same point every single time. On your feet, maggot! (laughs) Yeah, even when you don't see it, you know that that is happening. Yep. Um, Which is why I think the scene where he kind of has a fuck-it-all attitude and he just goes off to a bar... And he has a drink and he's watching the news about the attack and the the guys in the bar are asking him, like, aren't you supposed to be over there? And he's like, doesn't matter. And he kind of takes like this defeatist attitude. Sure enough, the aliens do in, invade London and massacre everyone anyway. I, I found that point to be very, very interesting for his character because I, I have to believe that all of us here would at some point get to that, you know, point where we're just like... I'm done. Like, I can't keep doing this. This is like, this is just ridiculous. I'm just going to just try to survive as I'm going to get as far away from the battle as I can and see how long I can live and just see where that goes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a great character moment for him. I think it's also interesting as the movie progresses, you know, at first he starts with confusion and then he gets a lot of confidence while fighting. But then later in the film, you actually see he has a pretty miserable look on his face and he's just sick of having to go out there and do it, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. I mean, I think that kind of illustrates itself when he tells um, someone like the general, for example, no matter how many times we've had this conversation you don't believe me. And, you know, at that point in the movie, we're like over an hour into it. And that's where, you know, you start saying to yourself, man, he's gotten to this point over and over and over again. And you don't know how many times they've had the conversation. They never say. it's You know, there's never a moment where Tom Cruise says, we've had this conversation hundreds of times. But just the way that the dialogue is written you could tell that a long passage of time has taken place, which kind of leads me to wonder, um, within the rules of this premise, I guess he doesn't age? I don't believe so. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. So are we to assume that it probably takes place maybe over the course of maybe, say, a year? I'd say more than a year, personally. Mm. And and the reason I'd say that is because we have that moment with the general, but we also learn with Emily Blunt how many times she dies in the helicopter, which she doesn't necessarily expand on. So I could see it being over a year. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast review of Edge of Tomorrow. This is a Patreon podcast review, though, which is exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. And this has been a preview so far. If you want to hear the rest of it, head on over to Next Best Picture's Patreon channel. Subscribe over there for a minimum $1 a month. And you get the rest of this episode along with some other exclusive podcasts that we are doing. Not just of throwback reviews, but also of Best Picture nominees and winners. We've got some other things going on with Next Best Adaptation where we are reviewing some of the written material that is going to be translated to the screen later on this year into hopefully our best adapted screenplay contenders so we are reviewing those as well as some other really really cool things as well 
subscribe. We really appreciate your support. As always, you can subscribe also to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. And as always, we shall see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.